So we've been um, talking about our foundations for the last couple of weeks, and I was uh, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about this when uh, we were singing, and there's there is one thing I want to get into, and I want to tell you this before this, and I want you guys to to hear this, and it says this, it's, it's Romans 5.8, and a lot of you know what Romans 5.8 is, but I want to remind you of what it, is. it says. It says, but Christ. Anytime where it says, but Christ, means there's an exception. But God, there's an exception. It says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost. That right there is the best news you'll hear all day. But God sent his son to be sin for us. That right there is the best news that this world needs. It's the only news that this world needs to hear right now, ever. That Jesus loved us, that God loved us enough to send his only son to die for us, to be sin for us, to die in our place so we wouldn't have to so we can have eternal life and spend eternity with him. And then when we were singing, um, there was the one song that said, um, day and night, night and day let incense arise. And a lot of you, I don't know if you guys know what that means, but it's referring to, to Psalm 141 in verse 2. And it says, and David's saying, it says, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May it be... May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So what he's saying is, and what that song was saying is, let my prayers be like incense to you. Let it be a sweet smell to God. And I think, you know, as Christians, we need to look at our lives and say, okay, what is, um, what motivates us as Christians? What motivates us as believers? Is our life um, a, a sweet sound, a sweet-smelling incense to God? And, you know, David, if we look at David, you know, God called him a man after his own heart. We look at David's life, and his actions didn't always agree with his heart. His heart loved God. His heart sought after God, and he fought for, fought for God. But David had humanness. There was a lot of dumb things he did, a lot of stupid things he did, but he still loved God. And, I, and as we go into this, I feel like we need to start to look and say, okay, God, what is the significant part of my relationship with you? What are the things that I do, what are the things that I'm focusing on in my relationship with you that you really don't care about? What are the things that I'm focusing on in, in, uh, in the uh, our relationship with the Father, and say, okay, God, what am I doing that you don't really, aren't so worried about, but you are concerned about this? We need to f major on the major things and minor on the minor things. And in our relationship with God, I think sometimes, and this is in everyday life, we, we get so focused on those little things that are not important. And God's saying, okay, what are the, and we have to look to God and say, God, what are the important things that you want me to do? In my relationship with you, what are the important things that are not being focused on but need to be focused on? So let's pray and then we'll get going on this.
Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word, God, that it is alive and it is living and it is powerful today, God. And we thank you that as we hear your word, God, it changes us and it uh, renews us and um, renews our mind on what you have to say and who you are. And Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. All right, so we've been going through our foundations and what did Sarah talk about last week? <laughs> no. Yes, right. Okay. Nobody was paying attention. Good to know. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll give you grace for that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Hopefully you'll remember what this one was. Okay, so the the next foundation. We're just going to preach the same thing every week and just put a different title on it, and you guys won't know the difference, right? So it's, it's all good. Yeah. So this week I, w- I want to talk about one of our foundations is we are significant. And under that, t- that heading, it says, and under that title, it says this, God has made us each significant, so we have to serve well. Think about this. In our job, if you go to your job and you don't do your job, what happens? You don't have a job. <laughs> Or you get told you don't have a job. Or you get told, hey, if you don't do something better, you're not going to have a job. So, but think about this. God has made us to be part of his kingdom. As people who are born again, we're born again into the kingdom of God. He makes us to be a significant part of the body. We're called to be part of the body. We're called to not forsake the body. You know, I was, I was listening to, I don't know, something this week. And there are... Uh, um, people that are saying that we're not going to open our churches up because there's no point of opening the churches up until we figure out how to solve the the pandemic that's happening. And I was just like, how are, I'm thinking to myself, okay, yes, I understand we should be self-feeders. We need to, to look at God's word, read it, eat it, digest it for ourselves. But how are we supposed to come together and to encourage one another and to be together and, and to spend that time together. Again, it's, it's in a couple hours on a Sunday, but it, for some people, they need that. We need that encouragement that for a couple hours a week that helps us get us through the week. And the significance of coming together and joining together as a body once a week, what it does is it empowers us to go through the week. It charges us to go through the week. So when we, we're part of the body, when... You know, it's like, think about it this way. If you get in your car and you get ready to go and you don't use the keys, you're not going anywhere. You know, I was, um, one time at work, we had, or my, uh, an old job I had, we had a car and it had one of the keyless ones and you could just get in there and start it as long as the, the fob was. Well, the person got in and started driving away and I had the key fob in my pocket and they, like, they didn't think about it. I'm, stand, I'm standing there, and they got about 50 feet from me, and it just kind of, and, and it just died. And I'm just like, they l- kind of looked, and I said, here, you want these? And then put them back in. As soon as I gave them the key fob, they could start it back up and go. But they drove off like 50 feet without it, backed up, and, and then like, and so being, having, that is a significant part of going somewhere. And it's a significant part of being able to use something and function in the proper way. Without your keys, you're not going anywhere with your car. I mean, you might be able to stick a screwdriver in there and, and try to finagle it a little bit and get going or try to hotwire it. But you, 
you need certain things to go certain places. It's like saying, hey, you know, I got back brakes. I really don't need front brakes. Don't worry about it. Just cut the lines and we'll be good. You know, I just, we'll just, we'll just put a cap on it and I don't need front brakes. So the significance of it is, is every piece functions together or it should function together. Some may not. Should function together to make it completely compatible and to, to work together and to make it whole. So, you know, we look at significance, and God calls everyone significant. He says everybody in this world is significant, whether they know him or not. Whether they are born again or whether they're not, they're significant. So it made me start to think, and I, and I started to look at um, some scripture. And Psalm 139 and 13, it's, it's uh, a very common scripture. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I, and I looked at that, and it's like David was talking about God knitting him together before he was even known. Before his mother even probably even knew she was pregnant, God was forming him in the womb. David says, God, you formed me when I was unseen. The fact that God would form us himself shows great care and love and affection for us. You know, we, there, there's such a um, a common mindset out in, in culture these days that God is just this person up here and he threw the world together and he just kind of let us be and let us do whatever we wanted to. And that's not true. He gave us free will, but if you look at it, God took time to form the world. He took time to create everything. You know, he didn't just kind of throw a blob and say, oh, that's going to be animals and whatever comes out of it comes out of it. No, he created each specific animal. He created humans so intricately that it, it blows your mind. The, the amount of blood vessels we have and the amount of, of um, bones that we have, that they all function perfectly and properly. There's no, it just happened. You look at the human body and the way God designed it, and it, it works exactly how it was designed. There was no, well, it just happened that way. But the fact that he formed us, set into motion the creation process, says that he has an interest in us. You know, what, what kind of person creates something and then just says, oh, I'm not interested in it anymore? Th think about this. If God had created us and said, well, I'm not interested, how do we call him a good father? How, does it say, how can we say that God is good in Scripture that says he is good if he has just created us and said, yeah, no, no, just go. I don't really care after this. It shows us that we are significant to him, that we have a significance in each part of the plan that he has for the world and in our lives, in our families' lives, and our friends' lives. It shows the fact that the unborn have a divine purpose from God. You know, I was, I was talking to God one day, and I'm like, God, how, how, do, you, how do you talk about loving the unborn children. And he gave me a, a scenario, and it was basically this. It says, and, and this, please take this. It, it, it sounds horrible, but I want to say this. A woman is heading to the abortion clinic, and she gets carjacked, and she gets killed, and her unborn baby gets killed. But a man gets charged with double homicide. But if they found out that she was going to the abortion clinic, would he? Think about that. 
They'll, they'll talk on the news how a, a woman and her unborn baby got killed. But what if she was going to the abortion clinic and didn't want that baby? Would it be a, 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 a homicide? Oh, no, she didn't want it, so you'd only get one homicide. Think about it that way. And, and it, it sounds horrible, but that's, that's really the, the, the way we, the, the world justifies it. Is, oh, you know, it's only if, significance is only if you want to be significant. And only if we want this significance in our life. It's funny how you will see um, mothers, they'll put their hand, after a while they just start to rest their hand on their belly. They don't even realize that they'll do this, they'll do this, they'll do that. You know, if they just start to do that. And it's because there's a natural instinct in humans to care about something that we've created, about something that is ours, that, that we have um, a part of. And it, and it reminded me when I was thinking, uh, was doing this, it's like God has created each person for a, per, a particular purpose. Whether they fulfill that or not, whether they find out what God's will for them is or not, they're created for that. You know, and I, I, I struggle with, and this is a very heavy conversation at our house, is the rights of the, uh, of the unborn people. And our, um, I'm not trying to get political, but our president is signing into law, Born Alive Act. And that right there is going to protect people who weren't wanted, but we have the humane right and duty to take care of them if someone decides that they don't want them. And we have the ability, we now have the, the duty, because who we are, we're human beings. We should not look the other way on this. If my child wasn't significant, then what made me significant? And I have to look at it and say, you know what, there's, there's times in our life where they, they, they wanted to abor- us to abort her. Because they said, oh, there, there's this issue, there's this issue, there's this issue. You know, dead in the womb, holes in the head the size of a quarter. You know, everything that they could possibly, the enemy could possibly throw at us for this is what's wrong with your child and, and you know, we're, we're doing, we had to go down to this um, place in Grand Rapids and they do the ultrasound and they're doing this and then, you know, get, you go into this room and then they try to counsel you into doing what they want you to have, into having an abortion. Thank you. But we knew what God, did we plan on having her? No, I was like, oh, we're pregnant. Oh, okay. So she was a surprise, but it wasn't like, oh, she's a surprise. I'm just not ready for that surprise. It's like going to going somewhere and somebody throws you a surprise birthday party and you're like, well, I'm just not ready to have my birthday, so I'm just going to get rid of my birthday. So I'm just going to go back to the year I was. Think about that. That's, that that's, the, that's the same analogy of, well, I just don't want this right now, so I'm just going to go back to the way it was. You can't. And I look at that, and if we hadn't said, you know, we have value whether, what, no matter what happens, we believe God is working. No matter, we're standing on that God is, is going to heal her, going to, whatever it is. And it was funny, every visit, something else, every visit, something else. And then it started, every other, every visit. There's something, no, this is gone, this is gone, this is gone, this is gone, this is gone. Because, you know, we knew that God had value for her. And it wasn't just like, well, it's just a, it's just a random clump of cells and we can just get rid of it. 
No, we knew there was significance on her life because God had called her. If he called us, he called her. If he has a purpose for us, he has a purpose for our children. He has a plan for them. He has a destiny for them. God purposed us to be called for a purpose. He didn't put us on earth and say, you know, I think I'm going to give them a purpose now. Sorry, spitting at people over there. Face shield, Amy. (laughs) Um, God didn't just, you know, create us, throw us on earth and say, you know, now I think I'm going to give them a purpose after 100 years because really they're not doing much. No, what did he give Adam and Eve from the moment he created them? He said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. He gave them the job of naming the animals and taking care of the earth and being good stewards of it. Even Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 3, 2, he says, Repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your past sins. Live your life as the way as it proves repentance. Seek God's purpose in your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, this is my job. My job is to tell you the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came as a baby in his mother's womb. Think about it today. Think if Jesus came in 2020 and Mary got pregnant. Joseph is like, uh, yeah. We're going to take a trip. We're going to take you down to the clinic. Think about this. Jesus was born at a specific time for a purpose, and he said, my purpose is to bring good news to the poor, to bring the kingdom of God and to let people know that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the day of repentance is here. He didn't say it's coming. He says it's here. See, God doesn't do anything without a purpose behind it. God is not just casual about what he does. He's always um, very inventive in everything he's done because it's always been planned out. He always has everything planned out. He's had it planned out before the creation of the world. He knew exactly what seat you were going to sit in and what, in what time and what year and what day you were going to be here. God sent Jesus with a purpose. Why would he not send us with a purpose? He said, he said, let's create man in our image. So think about this. If Jesus was, if we were created in the image of God, there's a purpose behind that. And Jesus was sent with a purpose to deliver us, to redeem us, to set us free so we could be called into that purpose. God calls everyone, but it's, it's our choice to choose whether we're going to go into that destiny and into that significant part of our life. Luke 4.43 says this. It says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God and, and to the other cities because I am sent with this purpose. Think about this. He knew what he was called to do. I think so many of us, we, we spend years not knowing what we're called to do. You know, um, a lot of people, they always wonder why our kids were, were with us everywhere we went when we did ministry. We had our kids. Um, Lana was three, four months old when we started youth group. Literally, Sarah would carry her around in youth group. I, I, I remember when Lana was one and two years old, she ran into the foosball table. She caught one of the, the pegs and just wiped out, and everybody's just sitting there, yay, because we knew if we cheered her for her, she wouldn't be able to cry. She'd be like, 
She just looked around and got up and just kind of went to mom. But think about this. We had a purpose from a young age. Our kids were with us from a young age because we wanted them to understand what their purpose was and what their calling and their destiny was. Instead of waiting until they're 25 and saying, well, I guess this is my purpose in life. This is what God is calling me to do. This is where he's made me significant in. No, I want my kids to find out what, they're, what they are when they're young so when they are adults, they go, no, this is what God has called me to do. This is what, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat. We didn't realize till we were in our mid-20s what God really was calling us to do. We knew, I don't know, do we know now? Yeah, I don't know if we know now. Um, but we didn't realize until like 25, 26 what God was really calling us to do because we didn't have anyone to help us say, okay, this is what God is, is, is showing us. We had some people say, oh, you know, we really see that you're good at this or you're good at that. But it really wasn't any kind of push. It was God having to really just nudge us. Nobody said, hey, you should really do this because you're really good at that. It's like, oh, you're good at that. Yeah, we're good at that. Well, if you see someone who's good at something, help them get into what, take what they're good at and help them use what they're good at. So it's about seeing the gifts in people, the significance that each person has, and using those gifts and starting to push them and, and direct them into those giftings. And I don't mean like get in there and shove, you know, but like gently guide them into there. Like, here, there's your calling, go. And, and Spartan kick them in there. Um, no, it, it's about gently leading them and saying, hey, you're really good at this. You're really good at, at acts of service or administration or preaching or whatever it is, and lead them into it. Because everybody has a calling in the body. You know, I, I remember, you know, when we were younger, it was like everybody wants to be the preacher because the preacher's up front and everybody likes the preacher. <laughs> they say that. Um, <laughs> I can prove otherwise. Um, yeah, so we've got lots of that. Um, but everybody wants to be up front because everybody, oh, yeah, that was so good, that was so good. But they don't know the, the backstory of that. They don't know the, the, the ins and outs of that. But they always, because people want, people don't like them and want them to succeed and they want to succeed but God has different paths for different people some people are very good at one thing and the other person can't even come close to it but God has made them significant and says okay hey I've created you for this purpose run with that purpose you know we're called to be a significant part of telling the story of the history of the church think about it the acts of the church has not stopped it didn't, it didn't stop in like, well, you know, Acts, end of Acts, yeah, it's just, it's going to stop there and we're just going to, whatever. No, the Acts of the church, we're part of the Acts of the church. There, we're we're going to be in, when, when he, we get to heaven, he's going to open the book and say, in 1955, this happened, and in 1995, this happened, and in 2020, this happened, and when God did this, this is what God did. Because it's not just chapters one through this is when it, it is when God worked and when the church worked. This is when God did this from the day after Jesus went to heaven or back up to the Father until he came back. So we have a significant part of being the, what is going on in the church and what God is doing. People will talk about what God did through you in your life, through people's lives that you know, and the impact that you made when you're gone. It's, a, it's not about I did good and I burned out and then I'm done. It's about leaving a lasting legacy. Significance doesn't just fizzle out after a while. Significance, what it does is it takes and says, I'm leaving a lasting legacy of this for the rest of my life. 
So four generations to go, oh, well, grandma did this and great-grandpa did this or whatever, they will have, because there's a significant part of something in you that is meant to make a change in this world. We are all meant to make changes in this world. It can be little changes, but that little change, think about it this way. They have a small earthquake in an island, and people get scared. Well, what happens is the ripple effect in the ocean creates a tidal wave and a tsunami that's 10 feet tall. But think about that. The, the little things that God has you do are creating that ripple in the pond, that ripple in the water, because what's happening is, is he's creating bigger movement from it. You know, it, it's funny. You take, I was, you feed ducks and you throw like a little piece of bread and that bread creates this big ripple. And it, but it, the bread is so light, but it creates enough movement and enough um, force to make the water go out. And, I, and it's like our lives. Our lives are like that. It's like the world is, is water. And when we are thrown into it, when we're put into it, we make a change. It might not, it might not be something that you guys see. And I, I want to encourage you in this is don't worry if you don't see it because other people do. You know, you might think, oh, I struggle with this or I'm doing this and I'm not, I'm not making an effect. But the things that you are doing, God sees those. And other people are seeing those too. It may not just, it may not be the most um, upfront thing. It may not be the most um, recognized things, but there is significance in what you do. God has created you to leave an effect on the people around you. We've got people here that we've affected and now they're affecting our children. And what's going to happen is they're going to affect their children because it, it, it's a ripple effect. I'm sorry, my kids are going to affect some of your kids, so just saying. I'm apologizing in advance. So. But there's not just the drop, in the, uh, the drop in their pond is affecting this pond, and the drop in the, the, from this pond to the kids' pond is going to affect them for, for 50, 60 years. Two generations can affect 70 years. And don't think that, oh, I'm just, I'm just good at this, or I'm, I'm only, I've only just started to do this. Every little bit makes a difference. We don't know who we can affect or influence. Each of us has that, a significant impact around us. And so, you know, it doesn't matter age, it doesn't matter um, age in the body of Christ or being born again. It's all about saying, God, what have you created me to do I know you've created me to do something and finding that and saying, I'm going to do this for you. It's not about changing the world. It's about changing around what's around you. Because around you are people who will change the world. Around you are people who are going to start to change culture and change the way people start to think about stuff. Try having an argument with any, any of my daughters on Facebook about certain issues and you will go home crying. I laugh. I come home and I'm like, I can't believe they even tried to argue and, and say anything to you about this. Uh, my daughters are so smart when it comes to certain issues and it's like, don't even start it because you will end up in tears laying in the fetal position under your bed because my daughters will trounce you with facts. See, what's happening is, is this, is our impact on our kids is going to leave an a lasting impact on generations of other people. Your impact 
on people around you is going to leave a lasting impact on your kids and your grandkids. We're all integral to the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs every one of us. We're missing people today, but he needs them too. He needs every person. It's like saying, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not going to be part of the body. We, we all know the scripture, you know, if the foot, and I'm, I, I struggle with that scripture because too many people want to be the, the, I just want to be the hand and I want to be, you know, the feet and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, sometimes God needs you to be the knee. Just saying. But not everyone is going to have, you know, what's funny is, is this, is the body of Christ is different than the church. People want to have a role in the church and not be in the body of Christ. They want to be in the body of Christ and they want to be in the church, but they're, they're more interested in their role in the church than their role in the body of Christ. Think about that. R- really think about that. You know, people, oh, I, I, want to be, I, want to be a, I want to be this or I want to be that. Well, what is God asking you to do to be part of the whole body, not this body? We have to look outside of ourselves. You know, we've been... Um, giving to that church in Kenya, and they have a girls' school that they take in orphan girls and, and other girls, and they, t- they teach them. And I'm thinking to myself, what impact are we making by giving a very little amount of money in the, the overall scheme of things that will impact those people for generations to come? You know, think about what we do when we give to missions, the impact it makes the significance it, uh, impact it makes into people's lives. Think about it. If you take all the money that we give and average it up um, between everybody that's at church, it's only a couple bucks a person. But think about what it can do for people. The, the significant impact it makes in the missionary's checkbook so they can go into a certain area and say, I'm going to minister to this. My friend Marcy, I went to school with her. You guys, have, she's been here a couple times. I've known her since I was 14. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that, we're, she's a year younger than me, I ever think that I would be preaching and she would be a missionary. You know, at 14 years old, 14, 15 years old, we never thought that that would be part of it. But God called us in tif- different times, in different areas, to be a, a significant impact in the areas that he called us to be. And it's, it's crazy to see, you know, what God is doing. And what kind of a ripple effect is happening? Because I never thought I'd be doing this. She never, probably never thought she'd be doing that. But now, the ripple effect that we're making is now together. Because we're able to impact into their lives. They impact uh, into us when, we, when they come and they, they minister to us. And so what it's doing, it's creating a wider range of impact into the world around us. Because what happens is this, is she comes and she preaches and Paul preaches and they encourage you and they tell you what God is doing in their area and then we are able to bless them and send them the, the ability, uh, finances, the ability to reach those people. So think about it. You think, oh, Hesperia, some little town in the middle of nowhere has like a thousand people and, but we're still able to impact churches and ministries all over the world because it's a, not about it's not about the, the splash you make. It's about the ripple effect from that. Insignificance 
in the body of Christ is rampant because they feel like, well, I'm just, I just go to church and nobody needs me. And No, we need you. We, we all need you. We need each other for the fellowship. We need each other to support each other. It's not just, well, we come here so, you know, the pastors can support us and, everybody, and they're going to take care of all of us. No, we support each other. We take care of each other. It's not, well, this person takes care of us. You know, I was reading something about uh, burnout from pastors and people who run churches. And the burnout is, is like every, is about five years and then they're burnout and then they, they leave the church that they're at. Because they're required to do everything. They're supposed to minister to everyone, pray for everyone, visit everyone in the hospital, go to everyone's funeral, do everybody's funeral, everybody's wedding. Um, and then they burn out. Because the church has lost the mindset that we're significant. It's only, or excuse me, that you're significant. It's only the person up here that's preaching is a significant one, and we just have to receive from them. And that's a, a load of crap. Here's the thing. Yes, Sarah and I may preach and encourage you on a daily or a weekly basis, but it's not our job to make this significant impact in the community. Does it when we preach? Yes, because what it does is it affects each one of you, and you can go out and reach the people that you can reach. I can't talk to everybody that you talk to. I don't even know everybody you talk to. So think about this. If I was going to try to re talk to everybody that you talk to in one week, I would do nothing but be driving in on the phone. But what happens is you come in, you get encouraged, you get filled, and then you go out and you make that ripple in that person's life, in that person's life, in that person's life. You know what that does? That makes you significant. That makes you valuable to the body of Christ. You know, you, you influence people that you may never meet. Think about this. You influence people you will never meet. You know, I, I think about this, you know, you know, when we give to those missions, when we preach to certain people, or we preach, we don't know who we're, we're talking to, because you're going to take that and say, you know what, this week we heard this at church, and this really affected me, and you may tell that to somebody, but they don't, they don't know us, they, don't, they may never come to our church, but they're going to be that might affect them, it might encourage them, it might give them hope for that week. So think about it. It's like three times removed, and you don't know who, the, I don't know who this person is, but you have the ability to minister to that person and encourage that person because of something that you may have heard on a Sunday. Or by the, 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 if you throw $5 in the offering plate. I just say offering plate? I did. My Baptist came out, sorry. Um, when you throw $5 in the bucket, thank you, in the bucket. I needed you. You're significant for that. I couldn't think of the word. I was like, it's that, it's that canister thing, you know? Um, when you throw your tithe in there, when you put your tithe in there, when you give extra, that is creating a ripple effect. Not, we're not looking for a ripple effect in the bank account. We're looking for a ripple effect in people's lives. You know, God has blessed us to where we don't have debt. He's created a, 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 a church that doesn't have debt, and we don't have to worry about, oh, are we going to be able to pay the lights? Can we pay the heat? No, he's created. Yes, sometimes it's not convenient, but it's created a, 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 an ability to have a bigger ripple effect on the world around us. And I will never give that up. 
I would rather go without here and create more there. Because what are you doing? If I do more here, I'm not doing anything. I'm just creating more. But when I go out there, what am I doing? I'm laying up treasure in heaven. You're you're saying that the work that the missionaries do or the work that these preachers do is significant enough to affect somebody else's life and they're significant enough to receive it. That they have a value that's so great that I'm willing to give up something here. Would it be nice to have a building? Yes. Would it be nice to not have to get here so early and unload? But you know what? Sometimes it's, it's actually nice because you get to talk with people. You get to fellowship with people while you're doing things. But you know what? The effect that we can do out is so much greater. 1 Corinthians 2, or excuse me, 12, 19 says, If all were a single member, where would the body be? The body of Christ needs each one of us to be a functioning member. Because the significance of the human body is this. If I don't have a certain bone in my body, how do I stand? You know, think about this, the knee. You got that weird kneecap thing that just kind of floats around there. But when it's out of line, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it hurts. So it's significant to the functioning of the body. God has called you all for a purpose. He's called you to have a significant effect in the world around you. It's time to allow him to do that. Let's pray.